0: to Matthew chapter 16 and uh, I had a nice baby dedication message I was going to preach and uh, and then the world happened and uh, I don't know how well that... How well prepared I am um, but I told him I said I've got about a about a two hour uh, sermon here and uh, we'll see what see what happens um, but I want you to read with me in Revelation chapter Matthew chapter 16. And I want us to start in verse one. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 1, the Bible says there the Pharisees also came, or also with the Sadducees came and tempting him desired that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it's evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign, then there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And um, I want to focus in on on verse three, and it's that question that's asked there um, can ye not discern the signs of the times and I am going to preach on that here tonight and um, just pray that at the end that every one of our hearts are stirred and that there is a response that we have toward the calling the Spirit of the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to help us, Lord. I'm thankful, God, for your goodness. I'm thankful, Lord, for every time that we walk in this house, that, Lord, that you're able, Jesus, to touch and to minister, Lord, to every single one of us. Let our hearts, Lord, be open, God, to hearing your voice. And I ask you, Lord, tonight. God, that given the days and the times, Lord, that we live in, help us, God, somehow to realize and understand, God, that everything about our day is pointing to your soon return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Uh, There is a, uh, obviously, I I think that if you... um, have even been paying somewhat uh, of any kind of attention in the last 36 hours or so, uh, there is an awareness that you have that we are living certainly uh, in times that are uh, very challenging. And I pray that these days have your attention. We can live our lives in such a way that we can be so distracted with things that are frivolous and things that do not really matter in the grand scheme of things, and yet those things, whenever they encroach on our lives, they can have very strong spiritually detrimental uh, outcomes. This text that I read to you here, Uh, from Matthew chapter 16, Matthew writes and he is telling about a confrontation that the Lord had with uh, perhaps his most obvious critics, there were others that he had that were perhaps not as as, uh, in the forefront but if you know anything about the Bible at all, you're aware that there was a constant conflict that was going on regularly between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and our Lord Jesus Christ. He comes along and he uh, tells them, or rather they're, they're at a place, they could not agree on their doctrine. They were at opposite ends of the spectrum whenever they, uh, the Pharisees held to Uh, The the afterlife, they held to the fact that there were angels and and demons and yet the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. That's why they are sad, you see. I know that's kind of lame, but I say that a lot of times when I'm talking about the Sadducees. And yet they were very opposite in their ideas about doctrine. Couldn't agree uh, on those matters. But what they could agree on was they could agree on their attack on our Savior. And you start looking throughout the Scripture and there's that constant steady challenge that's going on there uh, between them. And so in verse 1 there we we see that they come to Him and, and there's a request that they have, show us a sign. Pull out some magic tricks, Lord. Take, uh, show us Puff the magic dragon and, and uh, let's have a dog and pony show here and, and, and we'll be satisfied. But here's the part they were not believers. They weren't. You say, how, how do you know that? Is because leading up into Matthew, the first. Uh, Fifteen chapters before we ever get to this place in the book of Matthew, there's already multiple miracles that uh, have taken place there, and and yet these these men, these these groups, these religious people that. That are there, they they cannot be uh satisfied. They couldn't be appeased, they uh they were at a place where that they were critical, they were saying that that Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do, we're still not gonna be satisfied with the particular direction that you are there. And and notice what the Bible says is pretty concerning there, what uh is said there in verse. Uh, for it is that that he looks at them and they are verse one rather the Bible says and tempting him desired him desired that he would show them a sign from uh, heaven that, that, that's a part that that is very concerning that whenever they get to that place they they begin to tempt, uh, the Lord in that manner, and the Lord was not even rattled or moved by that. And and what's the outcome of that? Well, the the outcome is is there in verse four. The Bible tells us, as Matthew writes, it says he left them and departed. There's somewhere in the neighborhood of forty times that you read throughout the Gospels where that that the Lord came along and and there was some kind of conflict or challenge that. That was there in their lives. And yet what did he do? He turned around and he moved on. There weren't any negotiations. There weren't any compromises, there weren't any deals that, that he was going to make, he just laid it out, this is what the truth is and and uh, you're, you're here and you've got a choice as to what you will do with that matter, that is the way that all of us are here uh, tonight, that whenever the truth is laid out to us, that there is an ability that we have either to respond or not to respond to that, but our response is going to have some very, very eternal consequences that will take place in that way. And so then he gets in the part and he says, "I'm going to tell you this. You 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 look for a sign and and you see things. You're you have an ability to be a weather forecaster. He said you can tell whenever a storm is coming or you can tell whenever." Uh, there is a, a uh, when it's going to be clear and everything is going to be fine at that matter, a red sky, a, a cloudy sky, a clear sky. He said you're pretty good whenever it comes to predicting the weather. I think that probably all of us here in this area that, that we're aware that we have lived here long enough that whenever they start talking about hurricanes, it kind of gets our attention. And we watch our phones and we watch whatever weather app that you use and you watch that. You you start looking at what's going to take place, especially whenever it gets in to the Gulf of Mexico. Is it going to go to Texas? Is it going to go to Louisiana? Is it going to end up in Mississippi or is it going to land here in Alabama or maybe even drift further to the east and and go into Florida we we have the ability to do that but but I would ask us here tonight that that are we at a place where that we are discerning the times that we are living in right now at this very moment and uh I I know I'm going to delve off into some things here tonight. We need to be discerning of the times and the days that we live in. And if ever there was a time for us to dig into the Word of God and to establish a life of prayer and to find ourselves at a place where that our commitment to the Lord is never meant at a place where it is as strong as it is right now tonight. It has to be shored up into that particular place. You say, why? Because in your Bible... One-fourth of your Bible, 25% covers what we commonly refer to as prophecy. Big word, theological word that they use sometimes is is the matter of eschatology. And so I would just say here tonight that that if prophecy covers 25% of your Bible, then certainly we ought to know something about that particular matter that is taking place there. I can remember, and I was talking today, and uh, Teresa and I, we we went out to eat with with some of the kids. The other kids are off up uh, traveling around, but but we started talking, and and uh, some of them said they they were nervous and they were scared, and I thought that was good. In fact, I thought it was real good, and I hope that before it's over with tonight, that all of you are experiencing some of what they experienced today while we were eating. My late 20s, early 30s. I had uh I had not been preaching very long and and uh, I used to get the opportunity to go up and and uh brother Ken Raggio and uh, his wife, Sister Dixie Raggio, they pastored up in Birmingham Bible Tabernacle and I was Uh, probably 28, 29, 30, 31, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I'd go up there and I'd preach on Saturday night, Sunday morning. And Sunday night, sometimes Therese and the kids would go uh, with me, but usually they would stay behind uh, because of school and various other things. And, And I can remember, and I was talking to my wife about this, that that I can remember, I can't tell you how many times that I'll sat in that kitchen there with Brother and sister Raggio and Brian and, and uh, Chad. And, and we would sit there at the table Saturday nights and, uh, and our Bibles would be open and, and we would spend late nights, one o'clock, 1.30, two o'clock in the morning discussing the matters of Bible prophecy. Around about that same time, I remember that Brother Anthony Mang, and in fact, I still have uh, the cassette tapes. He preached about a 36-part series on the book of Revelation. I remember listening to those tapes there. I remember that there uh, were books that I would buy, some of those books that were about prophecy. Brother Harold Hoffman, Brother Kraft, they put me on to a book written by a man by the name of, of Marvin Rosenthal. It was about the pre-wrath rapture. And I'd read that book. And, and then Brother Therese and his commentaries on the book of Revelation. And I, I, I was telling Teresa, I said that, that I can remember times I was scared out of my mind. I was. We live in a day now that so drastically changed that I got a feeling that probably most of, our day and our world is probably more scared about a about a movie and about things that they see on that hollywood puts out more than they're fearful about the things that are coming that are on this world but i'm just going to tell you that doesn't change the fact that right now that the lord's plan and purpose is roaring like a locomotive Right down through this world, and it is on the way. Our world is so drastically changed from what it was in March of 2020, a pandemic struck during that period of time all sorts of chaos and and upheaval during that period of time and then uh, not too long on the heels of that there have been wars in various places but now that Russia has started to move in to that territory toward Ukraine. It, it mirrors what Ezekiel talked about in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And there are matters whenever we start looking at what's taking place that you ask yourself, where are we at right now? Where uh, are we? And I woke up yesterday morning. It happened during the night, but but Israel was attacked. And we'll get to some of that here in just a few minutes. But I woke up Saturday morning and looked at at Fox News on my phone and all of a sudden started seeing the things that, that were taking place. And I have to confess to you that most of the day yesterday was spent Uh, in various places where that websites and and, uh, social media places where that there are men that that talk about prophetic events and about where that we are in the matter of prophecy and so tonight I'm just going to tell you this your soul is the most important thing that you have in your life and when we are moving rapidly in a direction I want you to look in your Bibles tonight, and turn over to just a few pages and look at Matthew chapter twenty-four. Jesus there was answering a question from his disciples. They they asked him a question there in twenty-four and and uh, verse three. They they said, "Tell us," talking to the Lord, "When shall be these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world?" And Jesus. began to talk to them. But I specifically want you to look at verse 8. The Bible says there, all these are the beginning of sorrows. That word there, sorrows, is a word that we would understand as birth pains. that it's about that a mother is about to have a child and those those contractions they begin to become more frequent, they become more forceful and, and Jesus began to tell his disciples, he said I'm going to tell you something, he said whenever you get toward the end he said I want you to know this, there are going to be sorrows, there's going to be birth pains that are going to begin to take place here in this earth Now I believe and I'm not going to read all of it uh, here but Matthew chapter 24 and verse 5 correlates to the first seal that you read about in Revelation beginning in Revelation 6 verse 6 correlates with the second verse 7 correlates with the third and verse 9 correlates with the fourth and verse 14 correlates with the fifth and and there is that part where that there's times where that then we say I don't to read this kind of stuff I don't want to listen to a preacher that is going to preach that kind of thing but I want you to turn in your Bibles and look at what Paul said to the church there at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and look at verse 11 here is what Paul writes he says it like this he said knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men that we are made manifest unto God God and our trust also are made manifest in your consciences. I can remember as a child growing up, here and then in various other places that that brother and sister Patterson and my parents would take me to I'd go to those places and you think man that's child abuse no it's not, it's not child abuse I'd hear those preachers preaching about the rapture and about the coming of the Lord and about how that there was going to be a hell that was going to wait on all wicked unbelievers and I would listen to that and uh, I, I did I prayed and the, and the Lord he, I was filled with the Holy Ghost whenever I was was seven but I'm just going to tell you this that whenever people have this matter that says oh you don't need to scare folks in to the kingdom of God I'm going to tell you this I've lived much of my life and it started off with a fear of the Lord and I'm afraid that in our day that there's not enough preaching about the terror of the Lord we're in a day now where it's bless me it's health wealth and prosperity it's propped me up up pastor put a band-aid on me help me feel a little better help me go but I'm just going to tell you this if we fix your problems but do not save your soul have we really helped you we hadn't helped you a bit Paul comes along and he says I'm just going to tell you that this matter of the terror of the Lord what Does it do? It causes us to be in that particular place where there's a persuasion that takes place. So there's some that says, oh, so you're going to say that everything that's taken place in the last 36 hours is, is pointing to the rapture. No, the Bible cautions us about date setting, but I would tell you this. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 12 And I want to start there in verse 8. Here is what that prophet writes. He says, and I heard, but I understood not. And then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And, And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end many shall be purified and made white and tried but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that make a desolate set up there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days but here is what he's talking about especially there in verse 10 he says as these things begin to unfold there's going to begin to be a clarity that begins to take place in our lives so that we can gather an understanding of what is taking place I want to just say again here tonight while again I do think that there ought to be some concern that we have and even some fear about some of these things that we hear that are being preached here tonight. You've got to understand, yeah, we do have children and we do have grandchildren that we're concerned about. But if you were to time warp and go back to the first century, can you imagine there in Acts chapter 8 whenever the Bible says that, that Saul of Tarsus made havoc on the church. He was throwing people in prison he was killing others there were things that were going on there with a passion and a zeal of deception and then you get to the place where that that, that first century church they had to contend and they were perplexed and destroyed by Nero and by Roman persecution but I'm just going to tell you this that if that first church could walk through it then I don't know what faces us in the future but if God preserved them then he can and preserve us in our day as well. Oh, yeah, he can. He can save us, he can preserve us. And so whenever we start looking at the things that are taking place, it's almost like that we're watching these things unfold in real time in social media. And so when you start saying, well, what is it that would help us to discern the times? Or, are there's some things that I am going to point out here to you tonight? And I, I am going to be mindful of the times, so some of these I will rush through The the second thing, I'm going to pick up the first one here at the end, but the second thing that you will see in our day will be a surging apostasy. It will be a departure from the truth and from doctrine and from morals. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4 because when Paul was writing to Timothy there as he was pastoring that church there in Ephesus, he said, Timothy's he said I got some things that I want to point out to you and he tells him like this he says chapter 4 and verse 1 1st Timothy now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith and they're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils they're going to speak lies in hypocrisy and their conscience is going to be seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and they know the truth you know about the great reset you heard about that they don't want us to eat cows they don't want us eating bacon they want us to eat bugs Commanding men to abstain from meats. You say you're so far fetched. You fell over. I I know. I know. I'm just going to tell you now. The more you get into the Word, the more it does something to your mind and to your spirit. But what else does this apostasy look like? Well, turn over a few pages to Second Timothy chapter three. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter three, and beginning in verse one, it says, "This know also." incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. This is scary, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such Timothy, you turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captives. Silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. They're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made manifest unto all men as theirs was also... I want also for you to understand that not only will there be surging apostasy that is going to take place, but turn back just a few pages and look with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Bible says there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and beginning in verse 2, it says that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word. Nor my letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you that by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Here is what I'm looking at in our day. Are you looking for a great harvest? Yeah, I'm looking for pockets of revival and pockets of harvest to take place in various ways. But I'll tell you what I'm really looking for. Is I'm really looking for a great falling away to take place. I'm looking for what my physician told me years ago. He said, I'm going to tell you this, Philip. He said, if you're going to preach the word, he said, don't expect to build a very big church. And I don't mean that we're supposed to huddle up and say we're going to just let the seas take place and we're just going to let the fort just kind of hold the fort mentality. I don't believe that. I believe we ought to be punching holes in the darkness. But there's just one thing that I would point out to you here tonight whenever I was in high school. I didn't listen to this band because I was afraid of my dad, which was good. And uh, he didn't want me listening to that kind of stuff. But when I was in high school... There was a band by the name of Van Halen. And so by virtue of the internet, I got on and I looked for a concert of Van Halen. And I did a screenshot of it. And then I moved forward just a little bit. And some of you may or may not remember this, but I found a group called KISS. I did a screenshot of their their concert. And then I moved forward. I didn't listen to this guy, but I do know who he was. And uh, his name was Garth Brooks. And I did a screenshot of Garth Brooks at a concert. And then uh, I didn't know a whole lot about Taylor Swift and still don't know a whole lot about her now except for she likes that fella that plays football for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so just out of curiosity, I looked and I, I did a screenshot of a concert that she had done back in July just a few months ago. And here's what I saw from those pictures is that I looked at a Van Halen concert and I looked at a Kiss concert and a Garth Brooks concert and looked at a Taylor Swift concert and then looked at some of our bigger venues in our churches. It grieved me to no end to see that That now, that that in the midst of where we're at, there's just as much darkness in our buildings and there are lasers and strobe lights and, and all that sort of thing. I started asking myself, what in the world is taking place with us? If you would have just turned the lights out like that in the 80s, boy, there would have been an absolute uproar. But here's what's taking place steadily, just a falling away and another little bit of a falling away and give in a little here and give in a little there and let this go and let the other go and the next thing you know you got a worldly church and you're practicing things that 40 years ago we never would have done. That's what is happening in our day. That before the coming of the Lord there's going to be a surging apostasy. I want this place to be lit up just as bright as we can stand it. You know why? It's because I want you to be able to see your Bibles. We do put it on the screens but I want you to be able to see it for yourself. I want you to be able to feel the presence of God here in this house in a place that is dedicated. That it is a sanctuary. I know there's times where you think, man, we don't need a loud, sweating preacher. But, oh, yes, you do. You need somebody that is full of passion and full of feeling and saying, come on, church. This world is trying to destroy us. And if ever there was a time, we don't need. It's not a day to turn the lights out on Sunday nights. It's not a time to cut out Wednesday night Bible study. It's not a time for less, church. It's time for more. Church, to say, God, help me to learn how to pray. Help me to get in this book. And if I've drifted from where I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, God, please, I want to repent. I want you to draw me back in to a place where I once understood your power and your strength. That's one of the marks. Another mark. It's a matter of the coming Middle East peace plan. (coughs) Things about discerning the time. I want you to hold your finger there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but turn back uh, with me to Daniel chapter 9. And there's something that Daniel points out to us in Daniel chapter 9. And I want you to look with me there too. Verse 27, here's what that old prophet writes. And uh, he, he is seeing this in somewhere around 538 B.C., which means that it was 2,500 years ago that he was writing. But here's what he says in verse 27. He says, and he shall confirm the covenant. It's talking about the Antichrist. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week And in the midst of the week He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease For the overspreading of the abominations And He shall make it desolate Even until the consummation And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate What, what that means is, is There's going to be a treaty There's going to be a peace treaty that's going to be signed with Israel It's going to have a time frame of about seven years But in the middle of that three and a half time year, he's going to cut it off. And he's going to say, I'm going against it. I'm going to tell you, if there was a man that could step out right now and step into our world and say, we got a peace plan, every political and military and economic leader would bow at that man's feet. I'm just going to tell you this, the whole world is going to bow at his feet. Why? Why? is because there's going to be deception that's going to be involved in that matter but turn over to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 and look at what is being written there the bible says there but of the times and the seasons brethren Ye have no need that I ride unto you. He's saying, you can look around, you can see, you don't, there's no need for me to tell you, yes, you know what day you're living in. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh in the middle as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And so there's going to be a peace plan that's going to come on. It's going to last for a little bit, but it won't be a sustaining peace plan. It's not going to be anything like the thousand year millennial plan of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something else is going to take place. That we ought to pay attention to and all these things right now. Every single one of these things are being put into motion. Here's another sign. It's the reuniting of the Roman Empire. I want you to turn back in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2 again. The book of Daniel is more than just stories about... uh, those guys saying we're not going to eat or drink the king's, mi- king's meat or drink or drink the king's wine or have a portion of the king's meat—it's more than that. It's more about fiery furnaces and it's more than just about lions' dens. But look there with me to Daniel chapter two and look in verse forty-one again. It's pretty amazing how that that this this prophet could be writing somewhere around five eighty B.C. And that there could literally be an unfolding of of world history. It especially takes off in Daniel chapter 7. But look there in verse 41. Here is what he says. He says, And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom is going to be divided but there shall be in it for the strength of the iron for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with fiery clay and as the toes of the feet were part of the iron and part of clay so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with clay they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men but they shall not cleave one to another even as iron is not mixed with with clay and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people but shall break it in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall be or it shall stand forever. Now the context is that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and there was a big uh, vision that he saw there he'd soon replicate that in uh, to an idol that he would Tell everybody that they had to bow down to But particularly notice those toes Each one of those toes It's not just a a passing detail That there is something that matters of that Now turn over to chapter 7 And I want you to look with me to verse 7 the Bible says it like this. After this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly and had great iron teeth and it devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it and it was diverse from all of the beasts that were before it and it had 10 horns so now we go from toes in rev or in Daniel 2 and now you get to Daniel 7 it's no longer toes now but now it's horns skip down to verse 24 the bible says there and the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And again, I don't have nearly enough time to start working toward. Helping you to see and to understand. I'm just kind of hitting this thing at a bird's eye view here tonight. But there is going to be a coalition of nations. All of that intricately is starting to be put together. Another sign that we should discern in our days is this matter of globalism. It started in Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11 with a man by the name of Nimrod. Nimrod built a tower. Their job was was that God is no longer going to destroy us again because we're going to build a tower, and if He tries to put a flood down here, we're just going to climb higher up there in the tower there. And so it is that that because of this global system, Nimrod. And then it morphs over in and becomes Babylon. And you find that. And I read some of that this morning in the Sunday school lesson in Revelation chapter 18. But we all understand in our day now, it's global banking. And then some of you may have noticed on Fox News, global surveillance. And now at Phillies ball games in Philadelphia, they don't want your ticket. They want your face. And so you walk up and you have facial recognition. And a few months ago, whenever I was flying, I went through TSA. And then, when I got through TSA, they said, Sir, we want you to step over. They didn't just do this to me, they're doing it to everybody. And uh, I stepped in that little old deal. And uh, said, "Look up. Take your glasses off and look up." I looked up. Hold your chin up. And that little deal—it's like at the dentist office. It just goes around as a camera. What was it doing? It's facial recognition. Now, given the fact that I'm such a handsome guy, I can't believe that I hadn't got a pretty healthy check. From somebody because they got my mug hidden off somewhere. I shouldn't have said that. I should have just kept rolling. That's right, Brother Williams. Amen. But but do you gather what I'm saying. Is it now that they're tracking you? They're, they're, they're following you. I'm following my wife and my daughter. They're following me. They follow me everywhere I go with Life 360. My daughter sometimes, Dad, you're spying on me. I said, I'm not spying on you. I hadn't even opened up the app. But they know where I'm at. Your phone knows where you're at. And Just listen to me. If they can track you with a phone. How many of you have lost your phones? Like all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, I, I've lost my phone. It was an airport. It was in Atlanta. And I left my phone In the necessary room, I walked out, and I get down about 10, 15 steps, and I turn around and go running back in there. Hey, hey, hey. It's embarrassing. The guy's in there, hey, what? Man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I forgot my phone. The guy got my phone, handed it up over the top, and I'm like, oh, my Lord. I'm worried I lost my phone. If any of you had that, you lose your phone, and you're like, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? I buy stuff with my phone. There's coming a day, it'll be a chip, it'll be a mark. You say, oh, you're so crazy, am I? Am I really? No, I'm not. It's coming. We're moving in that direction. What am I trying to do, church? I'm trying to get you to quit predicting the weather and start discerning the times and the days that we live in. That weather doesn't matter out there, but what does matter (laughs) is the salvation of your soul. That's what matters. That's why that right now is the most important thing going on in your life. You say a, a guy yelling at us? A guy sweating, a guy reading Bible verses. You're telling me that's the most important. Yes, it is. Because what I'm doing is I'm stimulating your mind and your soul in a spiritual way to say you've got to let go of this world and you've got to make your calling and your election sure. You've got to. You've got to. Read one more verse of Scripture and then I'll tell you about the last sign. Turn to Revelation chapter 13. John is writing this unfolding vision that the Lord has brought out to him in Revelation chapter 13. And look with me to verse 15. Here's what he writes. He said, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, or otherwise, we would understand it as six, six, six. Now, so, what are we talking about? We're talking about days of surging apostasy. We're talking about a Middle East peace plan, really a world peace plan that's coming. We're talking about a reuniting of the old Roman Empire, we're talking about globalism. Let me point out to you that perhaps the biggest part of of Scripture that points to us that the Lord is coming back was a regathering of Israel. That's whenever you put that nation back together in 1948. You say, "What, what are you talking about? Well, turn back in your Bibles. I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 30. And I'd like to read to you a few verses out of that. Jeremiah chapter 30, and look with me to verse 1. The word of the Lord, or the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have written unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord. And I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. What's he saying? He said, there's a day that's coming that I'm going to gather them together. Verse 3, I'm going to cause them to return to the land, and I'm going to give them that land by which they have been dispersed out of. Turn over Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then... The next book is Ezekiel. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 34. And I want you to look with me to verse 11. Actually, the whole entire reference is verse 11 through verse 24. But I'm going to only read through verse 16. Here is what it says. It says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all of the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be there, shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. And I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord, I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. And uh, But I will destroy the fat and the strong and I will feed them with judgment. And then turn over a few pages. I'm not going to read this, but the entire chapter of Ezekiel 37, and you've heard it preached probably bunches of times about that valley of dry bones. It's been preached, that's revival, that's, that's this, that's that, That the, that's the other. But really, what it's talking about is the Lord is putting together a nation again. And then for the sake of time, you can go and check this out. But in Zechariah chapter 10 and verses 6 through 10 speaks to that matter of regathering. And so somewhere around about 11.30 on Friday night, and uh, those images that I sent, Claire, out of sync, could you put me up the map of Israel? So somewhere around 11.30 on Friday night, uh, all sorts of excitement. I know that's a long way off for you to see. But right there is, is Gaza. That little small strip right there. It's, this is Mediterranean Sea and then here is Gaza. Right in here is, is, is Israel. Israel has something called an Iron Dome. And the Iron Dome picks up on missiles and rockets which starts getting shot in that direction. And what happened was in the middle of the or very early morning, 6.30 their time, 11.30 at night. Somehow or another, something happened to the Iron Dome. It was breached. And before it was over with, thousands of rockets had been sent in. The fences had been breached. And they had rolled through that area of southern Israel. And put up some of those images of those newspapers. and this is what the world looks like. Washington Post now, Israel at war after the Hamas attack. Palestinian militant stage attack on Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu says, "We are at war." You can turn on to the next ones. Onslaught from the land and sea and air." And they moved in there, and there were the elderly. There were women, there were children, and now the death count is somewhere up to a 1,000, and they're saying that what took place there on October the 7th, I think it is, October the 7th, exactly 50 years after the Yom Kippur War, that's not an accident, that Hamas began to approach the border there at Israel. You can go on to the next one. The Daily Mail, I think that's London, petrified, 25 years old, kidnapped from a peace festival by Hamas terrorists. Don't kill me. They found a group of kids, somewhere around 250 of them, and they just mowed them down that were out celebrating. In the Sunday Times, hostages dragged from homes in Israel as families begin to flee the slaughter. You say, why, "Why are you showing us this?" Is because go back to the map, Clay. Is is the part is that I want you to gather and understand this: that 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 we're moving toward the rapture. You understand that there is an imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that the Lord could come in the next five minutes. He might. It may be ten years from now, but I just want you you to know this: that the the sorrows, the birth pains, that we're beginning to see happen now why is this a concern why is it that down here in the southwest corner of Israel that they're being attacked now here's what's taking place is that not only are they having to defend a southwest southern border but they're also having to be concerned up top about the northern border and down here is the Hamas which is a band of Islamic terrorists and then up in the north Hezbollah is another band of terrorists, and now the concern that the Isra- Israelis have is that they're going to have to defend a northern border, a southern border, and then over here, where the Jordan River is at, then they're going to have to expand and, and be concerned about the western border because here is what's taking place the whole entire world wants to find a place where that they come in and they collapse. Israel. Y'all got that video? I want to show you a video. Imagine that you wake up in the morning and you... Brother Benjamin Urshan. Brother Raggio. Brother Patterson. My parents, Lord's coming. Lord's coming. Yeah, but he hadn't come back yet. You get comfortable. But I just say here tonight to this church that this is just another warning sign. It's starting to stack up on us. And we're moving in a direction that every single one of us here tonight that we will stand individually before the Lord I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 14 and I want you to notice again these are prophetic events that they they are on the way but look at Zechariah chapter 14 and look at verse 2. That prophet writes, and again, 487 BC, somewhere not too much after Daniel, but he says in 14:2 For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Verse 3, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now the concern in part to me is verse 2. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem. And there have been some, oh, well, America's going to come to their aid. But well, when you read the book of writings of this prophet, all nations. And if you want to get an idea, just float out on social media. And today... In New York City, thousands of supporters of Israel, and on the other side of the street, thousands of supporters of the Palestinians, they were yelling back and forth at each other. So even our nation is at a place where that there's division. Just want to just, just tell you this: that right now is not the time. For you to be going to sleep. If ever there was a time. That you said Lord. I have got to be saved. If ever there was a time. That we ought to reach out and to touch. As many people as we possibly can. It's now. And so the question is this is so okay, so so what what do you suggest? Well, here's what Paul told Titus. And I want to start in verse nine, guys, chapter two, verse nine. He says, "Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again." Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And then here's what he wants us to do. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, righteously, Titus, let no man despise thee. You preach. You call people from their worldliness. Call people from their ungodliness. Tell them to live soberly and righteously and godly. Why? Because that's the marks of true conversion. And that's the marks that they are going to end up in a place where they will be safe in heaven. I want us to stand. Forever, there ought to be a time of sobriety and seriousness about our relationship with the Lord. It's right now, it's tonight that all these things that are taking place in the world, it's, it's, just, it's just another light. It's kind of like the Christmas lights. All of a sudden, they just start appearing. And they start putting them up in November. And there's an awareness, hey, Christmas is on the way. And the more lights they put up in the streets, the more you're aware, hey, it's almost Christmas. I'm just here to tell you tonight we're almost at the place of the rapture. Lord, I pray that tonight that God, that in every one of our hearts, that God, that there would be an evaluation. Lord, where are we at with you? come on Thursday of this week where would we be right now would we be by your side or would we have been in a place of almost sleepless madness trying to figure out what it's like to be left behind I pray, Lord, tonight, every person in this room, every person, Lord, that has walked through those doors tonight, oh, dear Jesus, I pray I have provoked them. I pray, Lord, your word, Lord, has awakened them. I know, Lord, that none of us know when you're coming back. But, Lord, there is certainly an awareness that we're going to have of the times and the seasons. And I pray, Jesus, tonight, that every one of us would do what we need to do. That, Lord, that you would work in our hearts so that we would do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. These altars are open. And I'm just gonna tell you this. I think that probably all of us here in this sanctuary tonight, that we probably ought to go home by way of the altar. That we talk to the Lord. And that our hearts, our conscience, that we're clear. There's an awareness.